Well, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing this morning? Band, you've done a great job. So you know what that means? I'm going to give you a 20-minute break. But then at the end of that 20 minutes, I'm going to call you. You're going to come up. The church is not going to know what's happened. It's going to be smooth as silk. And you're going to launch into the second song. Can we do that? It's good. I've just told them what I want, so I'll do it now. How good is it actually having the doors open at church this morning? I love that because I was sitting there thinking, gee, what a great reminder that this building, it's four walls, but there's so much going on out there as well. And as we sort of head into 2020, I think that's probably an important thing to pick up on. Church is not just in this building. It's beyond the four walls of this building as well. Can I get an amen? So this is my first week back from holidays, which was I had a nice break. I went away with Talisha's entire family. And let me tell you, it was a family holiday. This is being recorded, so I'm going to be very mindful of what I share with the congregation right now. But I just got a text message from one of our East Campus people and they said, hey, your brother-in-law just says you copy the way he dresses. So for Pastor Nathan, I may do that, but I make it look good. So deal with that one. So... Whilst I don't have any great camping stories like Pastor Charles or anything like that, I can honestly say I've never been on a holiday where I've played so many games of Killer Uno in my life. For those who don't know what Killer Uno is, it's essentially like normal Uno, but usually at the end of it, you don't talk to your family member for the next four years once you've lost. (laughs) We're all still talking, it's all right. But myself and my beautiful wife, we also had to cook for the whole family. And this is no mean feat. We had to cook for 10 fully grown adults. So what did we cook? I hear no one ask. Well, I'm going to tell you. Well, in typical fashion, we cooked 36 chicken thighs wrapped in over two kilos of bacon, drizzled with maple syrup. Hashtag cooking goals or what? Would we win MasterChef? Probably not, but you know what? I don't want to be a master chef, so I don't really care, so it's fine. But not only did we cook, I also found myself on child duty quite a lot as well. Quite a lot as well. And yes, it was an experience, let me tell you. Whilst my baby handling techniques are not yet as advanced as Pastor Nathan's or any other father in this room probably, I have added a new move to my repertoire. So... Instead of just doing like the awkward hold for sheer life and you're terrified, I've now perfected the art where you take the baby, you put it on the shoulder and you do a little dance like this. And then what happens is the baby goes quiet. It's not that hard. Come on, guys. But is it still terrifying holding a baby? Not that much. But that does not mean mothers in the room come accost me with your children after the service because I'm not ready for that yet, let me tell you. But it was a great time away and it was awesome having all of my nieces there with us and the whole family in one place, which is a very special thing for Talisha's side of the family to all get to have that time together. But when you can imagine having three nieces, there was a lot of children's TV that was watched on this holiday. And there is no easy way to say this. But heck, there is some weird stuff on ABC Kids. (laughs) Like, I mean really weird stuff where I sat there and thought, Who put money into this and who said this was a good idea? Like, there was some odd stuff, let me tell you. Things certainly have changed when I was a child. I thought back to my child, I thought, gee, the Rugrats was not this weird. The Wild Thornberries, shout out to all my under-30s in the room, you know what's up. But TV has definitely changed. But I did notice that there seemed to be one movie that reigned supreme for my two-year-old niece above all other movies. And in fact... I'd heard about this movie before and it had managed to generate over $1.2 billion for Disney. 
And I know as soon as I sing this first line, everyone will sing it back to me. And we're all friends here, so please don't leave me hanging because you're about to find out why I'm a guitar player and not a worship leader. But the movie I'm talking about has this song in it. Let it go. And that's about all I know of the song, so we can stop there, so it's fine. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Disney's Frozen. I've heard all about Princess Elsa and Princess Anna from my little two-year-old niece and all of their adventures. But before you ask, no, I have not seen this movie because I'm a 28-year-old grown man without kids. <laughs> but let's have some fun today. Give me a wave if you have seen Frozen. Now, keep that hand up if you don't have kids and you've seen Frozen. No judgment. We're all friends here. I'm just going to leave it there for you. Yeah. I am yet to watch Frozen, but I will save it for another time. But I found myself throughout the week pondering that line, let it go, let it go. And I thought, heck, this is a well-written song. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> but I especially thought about that idea of let it go as we're heading towards the end of a year. We've just started a new year and we've started a new decade as well. And it's usually this time of the year where everyone sort of adds, we make sweeping statements. We're going to give up this, we're going to do this, we're going to go to the gym, we're going to eat clean, all this sort of stuff. And I made all those resolutions. Have I broken them? You bet yeah, but that's fine. But we want to add all these different things to our lives and that's not a bad thing because some of those things are actually really, really good things. But as I was praying about what to share with our community this morning, this thought came to my mind. As we step into this new year and this new decade, what do we need to let go of? What do we need to forgive? And I'm not going to stand here this morning and say forgiveness is an easy thing because if we're really open with each other, it's hard sometimes and it's usually nowhere near our first response to many situations. I don't want to downplay how hard forgiveness is, especially when terrible, unfair, Unjust things have been done to us. And I want to acknowledge this morning that there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. But when we look at Scripture and the teachings of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who poured out forgiveness to all of us sitting in this room, we're called to forgive. A hard teaching, I know, but one I felt to explore this morning by looking at the Apostle Peter's life and exploring two different instances of forgiveness. The Greek word in the New Testament for forgiveness is a theme and translates to English as to send away, to let go. The word a theme appears 47 times in the New Testament. And when we see this level of repetition in scripture, it usually means God's living word is trying to tell us something. We even see in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus is instructing the disciples on how to pray, we see the importance of forgiveness in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others in their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We stand here this morning on the third Sunday of a brand new decade, of a brand new year. This new decade is full of hope, full of potential. But what are we carrying over from the previous year, the previous decade that is holding us back? As we step into this new year fully and this new decade, perhaps this is a time we need to stop and ask the hard, vulnerable and honest question of, what do I need to forgive and let go of? Before we get into God's word this morning and seek him actively together as a community for the next 25 minutes or so, let's all stand together and give him this time.
Lord, I thank you so much that we can gather here, not just as a random collection of people, Father, but as sons and daughters of the one true and living God, Lord. That we can stop right now, put everything else on hold, everything from the week on hold right now, Father, and seek you. We can seek your voice. We can seek your Holy Spirit, Father. And I pray that the words that are read today as we explore Scripture, Father, fall deep into our very souls, Lord. And we see the fruit from them germinate for years to come, Father. We love you so much and we thank you that we can gather as a church here this morning in freedom and in unity. We love you, Father. Amen. Awesome. You can all grab a chair. So for all my note-taking brothers and sisters, as you can see on the screen, my catchy sermon title today is Let It Go. See what I did there? But anyway, when preparing and praying, this thought kept coming back to me about the Apostle Peter, who was an all-or-nothing kind of guy. There was no real middle ground with this guy. I mean, give me a wave if you know someone who's like Apostle Peter. They're all or nothing. Give me a wave if you know that person. I mean, we're literally talking about the guy who, as soon as he saw Jesus on water, decided to jump out of a boat to go see him. He was fully committed, like some of the youth will be at Watermark on Friday. And the reason I wanted to explore a little bit of Peter's life this morning was because not only did he directly learn from Jesus about forgiveness, but he also experienced it. And sometimes in life, it is one thing to hear something, but it is something totally different to experience it. My first point this morning as we explore forgiveness is this, the forgiveness of others. In Matthew chapter 18, we find Jesus instructing the disciples about kingdom community and the kind of community that will characterise not only their relationship with one another, but the whole world at large. And we're about to jump into the parable of the unforgiving servant with, with, with one another this morning. And if you didn't bring your Bible, please don't worry, it will be on the screen so we can all follow along together. But before we jump into this parable, it's very important we get the context of this passage of Scripture. Right before this parable, we see Jesus instructing his disciples on what to do if someone sins against you. Something I'm sure many of us can relate to in this room. We pick up our passage this morning from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came up and said to him, Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. We'll quickly pause here for a second because it's worth mentioning that Peter thought but by forgiving someone seven times, he was actually being generous because in traditional Judaism, three times was enough to forgive someone. But it's important that we don't miss the significance of Jesus' response, which is that we, as followers of Christ, are to forgive without keeping count. And trust me, there will be people you will have to forgive multiple times. But we aren't called to keep account and only extend forgiveness so far we're called to forgive. Continuing on from verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, 
he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. A few things worth highlighting with this parable is that a talent was a monetary value that was worth about 20 years wages. So for anyone who's good at quick maths, if we do that this morning, the sermon's debt was about 200,000 years worth of wage. An unforgivable and unpayable debt. With that in mind, you can see the significance of the forgiveness and the mercy that the king showed this servant. But in stark contrast, 100 denarii, which was what the servant was owed, was only about 100 days worth of wages. And with these two just opposing acts, in this parable we see such an image of forgiveness. We see a king who didn't have to show mercy or forgiveness to his servant, but he chose to. And then in direct contrast, after receiving this unwarranted, unmitigated, undeserving grace of forgiveness, he goes off and does the complete opposite. He doesn't show forgiveness to his fellow servant, someone who was just like him. It is a stark and clear parable. And if we're being open with each other this morning, quite the eye-opening one. Because how many times have we been like that servant? We have received and experienced forgiveness, yet when it comes to showing that same forgiveness, we don't. How many times have we been forgiven, but at the same time been so unforgiving? And we see in this parable we're called to forgive. And that, my friends, is where it gets hard. Because when we forgive others, it requires humility. We see that in the parable we just read where the servant gets down on his knees and pleads with the king to have patience with him. There have been many times when I've had to ask for forgiveness on a variety of different things, which is hard to believe, I know, but hey, it happens. Some have been small things you know, like accidentally hopping into a fresh set of clean sheets without having a shower before going to bed. I'm only human, guys, relax. Or larger things like not honouring an agreement or doing the job that I said I would do. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room this morning that has had to ask forgiveness from friends, from family, from spouses or employers. At some point in our lives, we have had to ask forgiveness from someone. And when we hear those words, I forgive you, and you can tell that the person really means it, it feels so good. It feels like a weight has been lifted off our shoulders. It feels, it's almost an intangible. But what about when you have to forgive someone who hasn't asked for forgiveness? Someone who hasn't humbled themselves before you. What do we do then? Do we just not forgive them? Or do we hold on to our unforgiveness towards them? Often that, what I've found in my life is, when I've been upset with someone, resentment can start to take a hold. And we begin to build a case against that person. And what actually starts to happen is I'm affected by unforgiveness towards that person 
I am the one holding on to an offence or a grudge. And it's not drawing me close to my saviour or those around me. It's in fact doing the complete opposite. And what is even more frustrating is usually when we eventually tell that person that you've had the, the upset with them, they didn't even know you were half the time. And then when you tell them, they often apologise. But even if they didn't say sorry, when we look at scripture, we're still to forgive them. Because not only will that set us free, but it also shows to them and all those around us forgiveness in a tangible way. We as believers in Christ are to strive to live a holy and Christ-like life. And forgiveness is a vital part of that. It is often that when we display forgiveness to those around us, they see something different about our lives. They see a life that points people towards a relationship with Christ. We are not perfect people, but we are forgiven people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. One of the greatest examples of forgiveness that came to my mind from recent memory was after a tragedy that happened in South Carolina in 2015. On June 17th in 2015, at a Bible study was taking place at Manuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, also known as Mother Emmanuel in Charleston, South Carolina. At this Bible study, a young man walked in, motivated by hate, and decided to take the life of nine members in the middle of that Bible study. And in that moment, he perpetrated the second deadliest act of a place of worship in American history. In the aftermath of this tragedy, news outlets were reporting grief, shock and anger. They were exploring all these issues of gun control and racism and doing everything they could to try and come to terms with what had happened. But at this young man's arraignment, something that stopped the news cycle happened. Present at this arraignment were family members of those that had lost their lives and people that were in the room that night during the Bible study. And as this young man stood there via video link, the judge asked the family members, does anyone want to say anything? And one by one, family members stood up and said three words that stopped the news cycle. I forgive you. One family member said to the shooter, God forgives you and I forgive you and my family forgives you. May God have mercy on your soul. In the face of an unthinkable act, these church members walked out their faith and brought glory to their saviour, Jesus Christ. And the media didn't get it. It didn't make sense. These people should want revenge. They should be angry. How could they forgive this man? The media questioned how and why they would forgive. But from this tragedy, and because of forgiveness shown by these family members as man, it showed those outside of the church the power of forgiveness. It wasn't just an abstract theory anymore. It was a lived experience. That video showing the families forgiving this man has stayed with me since I watched as a 24-year-old man. Because that would have been one of the hardest things that those people ever had to do in their life. And as they forgave this man, the long road to healing could begin. And as we sit here this morning, I felt that for some of us, what is holding us back from moving forward into this new year and this new decade is actually unforgiveness we're holding on to but we sit here as forgiven people. The creator of the universe loves us all so much he desires to have a personal relationship with each of us 
And he constantly pours out his grace and his forgiveness to each of us in this room. And imagine if we could reflect that same grace and that same forgiveness to those we've been holding on unforgiveness towards. Imagine what that would do to our lives as we began to trust Christ fully. At the start of this new decade and new year, we have an opportunity to take stock of our lives and to truly seek our loving Heavenly Father for what we need to let go of in our lives. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. I know this is a heavy word, but I felt this is a word that I needed to hear as well and be constantly reminded about. We're to live, I'm to live a life like my Saviour, my Redeemer, and to truly do that no matter how challenged it is and to walk out what his living word says. As we step into 2020, I want to be an all-in guy like Peter. Can I get an amen? The second point of forgiveness I wanted to briefly look at this morning is a huge one. My second point this morning is this, the forgiveness of self. Renowned Reformed Christian theologian Lewis B. Smetty sums forgiveness up as the following. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Forgiving others and forgiving ourselves are two sides of the same coin. And we're going to go back to looking at the Apostle Peter's life, knowing that he directly heard the incredible teaching of what someone is to do if they sin against you and directly from our Lord and Saviour. Now, as we said up front, Peter is a not-so-subtle, all-or-nothing kind of guy. I mean, Peter was the guy that if you look at his life at Jesus' arrest, he was the one that pulled out a sword and decided to chop an ear off. Not subtle at all, that guy. But he was the same guy that said that when Jesus said he would deny him three times, he turned around and said, I would rather lay down my life. But when we read the account of Peter's denial, we see that he did exactly that. He denied Christ three times. And what we often skip over when reading Peter's denial is the line, and he went out and wept bitterly, which is featured in all the gospel accounts except for John's. With this line, we see Peter's humanity. And we can understand this because he had done something that he said he never would. I know I can relate to that. I can relate to that sense of failure and shame. And often in those moments, our first thought isn't forgiveness, is it? It's usually we've made a mess of things again. But as we've read and explored, we serve a God of forgiveness, a God of hope, a God of unending grace and mercy for each and every one of us in this room, no matter where you are on your journey with him. So after Peter's denial and Jesus' death and resurrection, we jump into our next passage of Scripture for this morning, which is following the thread of Peter. And we pick up the story in the Gospel of John, where Jesus reveals himself to the seven disciples, including Peter. Reading from John chapter 21, verses 15 to 18. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he, was, because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
Here Peter sits with his resurrected saviour and three times he is asked, do you love me? Which is in contrast to Peter's three denials. And it's interesting to note Peter's responses. The first two times Peter responds with, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But on his third time, he responds with, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Peter's third response is an affirmation of Christ's omniscience and deity. In this exchange, we see Peter not having to do anything to earn Christ's love except to receive it. It's one thing to hear something, as he did back in Matthew 18, but it's another thing entirely to live it. Peter had no longer just heard about forgiveness, but he had just experienced it. In this example, it shows that even when we have done something wrong, we don't have to earn forgiveness. We just have to accept God's love and forgiveness. And I honestly think for so many of us here, we don't fully grasp that. I know I don't at times. Because we think we have to earn forgiveness. We think we have to make up for our wrongs. But when we get that revelation of God's love and forgiveness, we can forgive ourselves and not hold on to what we have done. And through that, we can feel the freedom that comes with the relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth. Simon, son of John, do you love me? If you were to Google forgive yourself, it would return 27.1 million search results. And these results range from articles from Psychology Today all the way through to Oprah. Read into that what you will. But this idea of forgiving ourselves is clearly something that is being wrestled with, both within the four walls of this community and in the world at large. Unforgiveness towards ourselves paints a false image of who we are and it distorts how we view ourselves. We begin to struggle to see that our identity is actually its sons and daughters of the one true and living God. But just as we saw in Peter's exchange with Jesus, we don't have to do anything to earn God's forgiveness. We just have to receive it. We aren't perfect, but we are forgiven. As believers in Christ, forgiveness takes on two forms for us. The first is the forgiveness of others, and the second is God's forgiveness of us. For some of you that know my story, there were many years where I wasn't walking with the Lord, and that is putting it lightly. In fact, when I went back to my old high school as a youth pastor to share a message with a whole bunch of year seven and eights at an assembly, some of my old teachers could not believe I was there and could not believe I was working for a church. I maintain that I wasn't a bad student, but some of them may have differing opinions, and that's okay because I've forgiven them. <laughs> bad joke, I know. But what was so significant about this, that when I was a student, especially in my latter years of high school, there was no way you would have guessed that God would use me to one day speak to students at that same school about the gospel and hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And what hopefully my old teachers saw was a life that was transformed and forgiven. And when I eventually walked through the doors of this church all the way back at the gym in Mill Park, I struggled to see myself as God saw me. I had grown up in a loving, wonderful Christian family. I'd been in church practically from the day of my birth that I come from a long line of God-fearing, God-loving ministers of the gospel. But even then, I still walked away. And it's only by His grace and His forgiveness that I stand here before you today. 
But my journey to truly getting that revelation of God's love and forgiveness was not an overnight process. Because by accepting his unconditional love and grace, I also had to accept that he saw me as a son, that he had a plan for my life, that he desired to have a personal relationship with me, even though I was so far from perfect, even though I had done so many things wrong. And I'm still not perfect. Hard to believe, I know. I still get things wrong all the time. But God's forgiveness towards me or you doesn't change. We are forgiven. And when, we, and when that truly sinks in and we get that revelation, we can forgive ourselves. For me, not fully grasping that revelation held back my spiritual growth. Because when it would come time to pray for someone, I would be apprehensive. Because who was I to pray for that person? I'm not perfect. And in my mind, I would build all these barriers to why I couldn't step into everything God had for me. And I think for a few of us here this morning, we can relate to that. And if we could be vulnerable with each other, some of us are still there. But God doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to experience everything he has for us. He wants us to walk in freedom in hope and truth and in life. He wants us to walk in that life-affirming relationship with him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to follow in the promptings of the Holy Spirit, not to hold on to things that are holding us back from doing that. Imagine if after Peter had denied Jesus, he simply said, that's it, I got it wrong. God could never forgive me, so I'm not going to try anymore. Imagine if he allowed his failure to stop him from walking in his destiny. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. The vision statement of this community is restore, raise up and release. Forgiveness is such a vital part of the restoration process. And this is not only the forgiveness of others, but accepting God's forgiveness of ourselves. And through that acceptance, we can move forward. We can move forward into being raised up by God into a deeper relationship with Him. And then ultimately, we can be released into the plans and purposes that He has for each of us sitting in this room this morning. It is one thing to hear about forgiveness, as Peter did, but it is a totally another thing to receive it and to accept it. I might take this opportunity to invite the band up if I could, please. I know this is not an easy word. I know this is not an easy word to share or hear. But as I was seeking God, it kept coming back to me. What do we need to let go of and forgive as we step into this new year? Because do we want to live another year marked by unforgiveness and business as usual? Or do we want to do a year where we experience and walk with God in a new way? Where we see God's love, grace and forgiveness poured out and experienced not only by those in this room, but beyond the four walls of this church as well. In our workplaces, in our university, in our schools, even in our homes. We do not have to do anything to earn God's forgiveness. All we have to do is receive it. Matthew chapter 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The greatest example of forgiveness that we can ever learn from is that of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
God loved each and every one of us sitting in this room so much that He set His Son to the cross to die for our sins so that through that forgiveness, we could have a relationship with Him. We were so undeserving of such an act of grace and forgiveness, but we all sit here this morning as recipients of that grace and forgiveness. And what an example of forgiveness to follow and live by. And as I said right at the start of this message, I acknowledge that forgiveness is hard, especially to those that we feel are undeserving of it. But we are called and commanded to forgive. Imagine if that when we forgave someone as Christ forgave us, it was a catalyst moment for that person. Imagine if that act caused them to say, why would this person forgive me? What is so different about them to everyone else? And imagine if that is what ultimately led them to accepting Christ's forgiveness and entering into a relationship with Him. But before we can forgive others, perhaps we need to let go of the past, the resentment, the bitterness and the unforgiveness so we can accept God's forgiveness. And perhaps this Sunday is the day you seek your Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your hope. I can't do another year or decade carrying everything inside of me like I have. We aren't perfect, but we are forgiven. And as the band begins to play whole heart, I want us to stand together as a community this morning. Stand up together. What I felt to do right now as I was preparing was I just want everyone to close their eyes this morning. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to seek our Father together. We're going to seek Him together this morning. And we're gonna ask Him to show up if there's anything that we need to let go of. Is there anything that's holding us back? We're gonna have a line in the sand moment right now. We as a community have gotta listen to what He is prompting us. Lord, right now as we enter this moment, I pray You begin to reveal by Your Holy Spirit what we need to let go of. And I pray that this is a moment we look back on that at 19th of January 2020, we changed our next decade by handing it all over to You and to letting go of what we needed to. Father, I pray right now You speak to everyone in this room. Let us be examples of Your forgiveness to not only those inside the church but outside of it. 